You're listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here's your host, Jeff Harding. What's going on, everybody? This is Jeff. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. You're listening to episode 40, The Enneagram One Youth Worker. We are currently in our 11-episode series called the Youth Worker Enneagram Project. So let's head into today's episode with the featured Enneagram coach and co-host, as well as the Youth Worker guest. All right, this is the first interview of the Youth Worker Enneagram Project. Excited to get this rolling. And for today's episode, uh, my co-host and the Enneagram coach is Ainsley B. Ainsley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited. And for our first guest, we have Mr. Dan Martin. Dan, man, so happy to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your Enneagram numbers? Yeah, so it's an honor to be on, be on the podcast with you. I appreciate the invitation. I am uh, a husband, a father, a uh, youth pastor, uh, head of discipleship here at our church. Um, got an awesome wife, uh, Tamara, and four kids. Uh, my oldest just turned seven. My youngest is about to turn one this weekend. So um, busy yeah. busy with family life and, and, and church life, and it's real good. Uh, grew up in Harrisonburg, Virginia, in the Shenandoah Valley, and we moved up and took a uh, youth or associate pastor role uh, here at our church about four years ago, and have been learning a lot about ministry and and following the call that God has put on on our life. And um, and yeah, it's been a it's been a pretty awesome awesome ride, ups and downs and everything in between. And uh, and part of that really pushed me into some of this personality stuff. Um, so I am a Enneagram one wing nine. And, um, you know, that's been a pretty f- a foundational piece to me, really understanding how I operate in youth ministry and leadership uh, with others and, and kind of the approach that I take to scripture as well. And so it's been a really powerful experiment or experience for me to to learn more and become more self-aware and and it's really opened my eyes to to seeing a lot of nuances in others that I'm with. So it's been a pretty crazy journey so far. That's <laughs> great, man. Yes. Uh, I think this series will be quite the journey and uh, I'm in it to learn just as much as you are and anyone else because by far I am no Enneagram expert. Um, so I'm glad we do have one on here. So, uh, Ainsley, could you give us a little reminder of the dominant characteristics of an Enneagram one? Yes. So the Enneagram one is the reformer. They are the rational idealistic type. They're very principled, purposeful, self-controlled, and perfectionistic. Their basic fear is of being corrupt or evil. And then their basic desire is to, to be good, to have integrity or be balanced. Very cool. Uh, So, Dan, you already touched on some of these things. Uh, Oh, and before you get to kind of the aspects of your ministry, I did want to mention, so each episode, I'll be referencing the poll that we did. Uh, So we polled uh, almost 1,300 youth workers and got their Enneagram numbers. And the Enneagram 1 fell right in the middle out of uh, 1,297 uh, people who voted, 137 of them, so just over 10.5% uh, identify as an Enneagram 
one. So not super common, but not rare. So right there in the middle. Um, So uh, yeah, you already touched on some of those kind of in your intro, but how have you, understanding yourself as an Enneagram one, where do you see yourself being successful in ministry because of how God has wired you? Sure. Um, So several traits of, of a one. You know, one one of those things that Ainsley mentioned was um, idealist. So, like, vision is natural for me. Like, I get this ideal in my head of what what I want to accomplish or what I believe is right or what I, what we need to pursue. And and when I know that that's right and that's good, and have like analyzed it from different angles and a heart uh, level, I am very passionate and convicted about it because it's. In my mind, it's, it's the right thing to do. It's what we're called to do. It's the way God is leading. And so our role in that is to pursue that with all of our heart and just chase after it and get after it and and do our best to accomplish it. Um, and so vision is a huge thing in leadership. Uh, it's been a huge benefit. And and a lot of times uh, I love, so I love dreaming conversations just with with my, with my other leaders. Um, it's like, what would happen if we did this? Or what would this look like if we could, you know, just come up with these out of the box ideas that get people excited, uh, gain momentum, you know, so it's beneficial in a lot of ways in leadership in that regard. There's, there's also the perfectionistic piece is a very right way to do things. And so I don't tend to be very wishy-washy on things. Like when I have my mind made up, I've got a plan, I've got a path and we're, and we're moving uh, in that direction. Uh, and so, you know, those are two aspects that I think that have been pretty instrumental and fundamental in in my leadership. The the irony is like some of the greatest weaknesses are also rooted in in that and those strengths. And so, those are two areas specifically that I think have really benefited my leadership and the ability to move move forward with groups of people. Very cool, man. That is strong. Um, Ainsley, uh, can you expound on that a little bit? Uh, for those who are listening who are Enneagram One youth workers, where might they see those strengths that Dan mentioned and other things in their own ministry? Yeah, I love what everything that Dan said. I think it totally tracks, especially with his wing, which I know we'll kind of get into in, in a little bit. But the thing that um, there's two things that I wanted to mention, him saying that he's not wishy-washy is such a great leadership quality. Um, it, cause it's not to say that your mind can't be changed Right, is to say that you're confident in the decisions that you're making in the leadership. So it's easy to follow a confident leader who is not wishy-washy. I love that. I love that gift of the ones. And then the other thing which really, um, aligns is how they can see the imperfections in systems and they naturally know how to fix it. I mean, there's a reason like arguing with the one is so it can be useless, right? Because they're usually right. I mean, it just is. It's just the case. They have thought things through and they see imperfections and systems that can be um, adjusted or changed. And exactly what he's talking about with how vision is something that um, comes easy to him or, or that he loves. It's so awesome. It's such a gift of a one to be able to see that and to be able to really lead well in their vision without being wishy-washy. It's it's truly a gift. I love that about ones. That's where a lot of my fulfillment comes from is like taking something that's either not great and making it awesome or taking yeah. something that's pretty good 
and tweaking it a little bit and perfecting it. Um, like, like those things after, after you go through that process and sit back and look at it for what it is and what it's become, that is so rewarding to me. And, And I mean, that goes for anything for me in life with whether that's ministry or like, I love handiwork. So fixing up houses or, you know, renovating or, you know, projects like that, where you take something and make it something awesome out of something that's just like, ah, kind of mediocre or not so great. So that's provided me a lot of fulfillment uh, in, in ministry and in other things as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I have some contract work for you if the whole youth ministry thing doesn't work out. <laughs> I need some help in my house, bro. All right. Um, Keep that in mind. I love warm weather. So, I, you know, Texas sounds great. <laughs> Texas has that in droves for you. Um, so you already kind of mentioned it, which I love your awareness, strengths and, and weaknesses, right? So those can kind of kind of go over into the to the weakness side. So based on how God has wired you and just how you know your own tendencies, where do you see uh, places in ministry that are difficult where you need help, you need focus on because of how God has wired you? Yeah, that's a, there's all kinds of those, all kinds of weaknesses here I could talk on. Um, I think, I think that one of the, one of the biggest challenges for me is that once I get a, a plan or like have an idea and, and I've established it as right, I've prayed through it, I've thought through it, we were, we're headed that direction. Uh, in my mind, it's the correct thing to do. It's the right thing to do. It's the best thing to do. And so have I can have a really hard time accepting uh, pushback or a change of plans because it's like, well, we already talked about this. This is the right way. So why are we changing plans now? Or why are we doing something different? Because if something's right, then everything else has to be wrong just by by yeah. logic. So um so there's there's that piece and and so if I'm not careful I can push I can just push through things and and push through people. And so what that does is that gathers a lot of people around me that share the vision and it really leaves people who are on the fringes or don't have that vision uh, or haven't owned that vision uh, can really leave them in a really lonely place. And so I have to be real careful with how people are feeling, uh, noticing um, areas of hesitation or concern or um, maybe some new information has come in and and it changes our path a little bit. Um, That's always a possibility. And so if I'm not careful, I can think we got things figured out and we're moving. And then all of a sudden when somebody says something, it's like, okay, uh, this is frustrating. (laughs) Uh, So changing gears can be difficult. Along with that is a perfectionistic piece. Uh, interesting thing is I never really pegged myself as a perfectionist until I went through this exercise, mainly because there's a lot of areas in my life that aren't perfect. Um, namely like my closet at home, it like my mm-hmm. clothes are wrecking it. And it's just like, I keep it, I keep the door set. So we don't have to look at it all the time, but it's one of those things where it's like, there's, there's no hope that it's, that it'll be perfect. I don't have a good system down there. And so it's like, why clean it up? So, so what I've found out is that through this whole process, my, if, if something can't be accomplished or if I don't think something can be accomplished, I don't even try. Um, so that's, that's also a weakness because, you know, you, 
even if you can't do something perfect, like you can take a step in the right direction. You can make some progress. And, uh, and so one thing, one phrase that my life coach has, uh, just repeated to me and, and really, uh, allowed me to take ownership of is just a simple, like progress over perfection. Uh, is it, and that's, that has like moved mountains in my, in my work and in my life. Cause it's like, you know what? I don't know the exact right way to do this, but I can take a, I can take a step in a positive direction. And so, um, that perfectionist piece is a huge one that can be a great thing because we want to make things as good as we can. But at the same time, if I'm not careful, it can lead me to not being able to accept something that's not perfect. Another, another piece with that perfectionistic aspect is if, if I don't, know what can be perfect, then I just don't do anything at all. And so then I don't move. I don't, I just sit, I just sit and wait until I figure things out and, and just sitting still and not doing anything, uh, not knowing where to go can be frustrating. Also tied to both of those pieces. I know this is a lot here on one in one stretch tied to those pieces as well is a tendency to micromanage. So if I have the exact right picture in mind of what we're going for, what we're after, what we're looking for. It can be hard for me to accept someone else's less than uh, effort. Yeah. If someone's not doing something the way that I think it should be done, it's easy for me to take over and, and do it the way that I want it done instead of noticing progress in them and encouraging them and strengthening them. And even being open to the idea that like their way might, be better than mine. Um, <laughs> you know, that's something that I, have, that I have to remind myself of. And, and that sounds really arrogant and prideful and that, so that's hard to admit, but at the same time, that's kind of how my, my brain naturally functions. And so being aware of that has been huge to be able to um, humble myself and, and trust others and encourage others and help, help them mature. Very cool. Thank you, man. Yeah, that was good. Uh, Ainsley, uh, where would you, Expound upon that for any ones who are listening who might be struggling in ministry themselves. Yeah. I mean, everything that Dan said again was so spot on. And the one thing that I want everyone to know is that the Lord's voice is not the same voice as your inner critic's voice. Mm. The one has such a harsh inner critic and it's just the most critical tone that just repeats over and over and over and over in their heads. Yep. So while, while, you know, you asked the question about Dan's weaknesses and he was like, Oh, you know, there's a list. Yeah. Unfortunately, because his inner critic has a list for him. Right. And it's not all true. So while I do think, you know, it's, and it's funny. Cause like, sure, there's weaknesses in every number. The one's weaknesses I always kind of shy away from in talking about because they already know it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and if, it, and if I say something, it's like, oh gosh, it's even heavier, right? It's even heavier because someone else said it. So it must be true. Not only did my inner critic say it, but someone else said it. Now, um, the one area that I will say that I, I just generally speaking one's, um, could always work better at is having a critical tone when they don't mean to, mm-hmm. right? So they're so used to their inner critic that whenever they try and help someone else, it could come off as 
critical in how they're talking. So just being aware of that. And, and Dan actually mentioned that he's was talking about being careful of how people are feeling. And that's exactly one way to, um, to, to gauge that and just gauge your own tone as you're communicating with people and leading them in, in, in the workplace. And exactly how he was saying was pretty much, you know, analysis paralysis is absolutely something that happens with ones. So again, I would just emphasize that the Lord is not beating you down and telling you, you know, that you're doing a terrible job. And I mean, you're advancing the kingdom. You are leading youth. That is some of the hardest work there is. I mean, Mm -hmm. we are a special breed of youth workers. And so I absolutely just, I just want to drive home that, that inner critic must be silenced and it's, it's nearly impossible. So really it must be managed and it must be combated. I think it's really important how you mentioned like criticism from someone else validating the criticism within myself. The same can be true on the opposite end where the harder I am on myself, the harder I am on other people often. Mm, Yeah. And so like, so then it is easy to accidentally talk in a condescending manner or talk down to people when, when the truth is it's okay to observe things that are going on, but, but the goal is to step into that with them rather than make them fix it before they, before they come alongside you. Uh, And so growing in compassion and growing in walking alongside others has been something that I've, a journey that I've been on for sure. Uh, But yeah, I appreciate that, that word on, on the inner critic, because that is a, that is a tough, that is a tough one. Um, Absolutely. I always feel for ones. My heart is always so heavy for ones because I'm like the tape that's going on in your head is like, it breaks my heart for ones. (laughs) Yeah. I've had a few, youth leaders in my ministry or leaders um, of mine when I was a student who, thinking back now, I can identify as, man, they were a one. And something I've learned um, to be able to talk to them about um, was brought, brought up to me when I was in a college Bible study and I've latched onto it. And it's not quite the same, but it's similar for maybe students we know who are who are wired like that is God values your availability more than your ability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're just open to, yeah, you might take some criticism, but know that if it's given, it's given in the sense of love and trust and wanting to encourage iron sharpening yeah. iron, not yeah. beating over the head with a hammer. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we are going to fail. And I know for ones because of that inner weight that that failure feels like you are crashing through rock bottom, right? And it's good for us to be able to recognize that and kind of buffer that criticism um, with things that they also do well. And to say, look, we're on this journey of being sanctified, growing more into the likeness of Jesus as we go. And Mm -hmm. I'm as broken as you are or or anyone else's and these things that I speak to you are out of experience because I've screwed up or because I've thought about these things. And I want you to be able to learn and see yourself for who you are, how God loves you, how he values you. And um, yeah, I think that can be a really cool spiritual lesson personally for one, but also being able to bring that across to students who might be feeling the exact same way. Yeah. 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 
And I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned failure too, because one concept that's, that's been brought to me that's really been a, a groundbreaking concept is, is failing forward. So um, yeah. the tendency of my, well, myself, but I'm assuming most ones is that like, if you fail at something that feels like the end, it's just like, I, yeah, I'm at rock bottom, like you're talking about. Um, but the whole idea of like learning and growing through failure, I mean, we know, we know that we learn most and grow most through failure, but at the same time, it's like, it feels like the worst thing in the world. So yeah, we're taking those moments of what we would call failure and, and failing forward, making some mistakes and learning and growing from them is a step in the right direction, even though it's not the perfect path that we had in mind to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we mentioned wings a little bit. Ainsley, could you remind us from our intro episode, for those listening, what a wing is in the Enneagram system? Yes. So a wing, um, those are the numbers adjacent to your main type. I like to call them the salt and pepper of your personality. Um, you, They season your personality just right. You can pull from each of those wings and add some flavor and spice to your personality. Um, but overpowering your main type and, you know, doing too much would take away who you really are. So that's what I would like to uh, kind of describe the wings as. Yeah. And Dan, you said you're a wing nine. Uh, Can you mention uh, one or two points where you see that kind of influence your ministry? Yeah. Um, I hate conflict. (laughs) It's a huge, it's a huge influencer. Yeah, I, I care about people and I want I want them to live in harmony with each other and I want them to I want things to go well and for things to be good. Um and and so you know that heart, a heart for people and a heart for their well-being and their relationships, like and their relationship with God, like that's so important. Uh because I I want what's best for them. At the same time, it can lead me to uh, running from conflict. And I think we all know that the best way to make a, a big problem is to ignore a small problem. And so if we just uh, ignore small problems continually, they eventually get bigger and bigger and bigger and blow up in our face. And so when I was in a, a more unhealthy place in my personality, I would avoid conflict. I would run from it. I would hope it didn't happen. Um, everything would kind of be couched in that light. But since I've um, grown in health a little bit in my personality, I have been able to see those areas of discomfort and conflict as kind of a window into their heart and their soul to be able to ask questions and just get to know them on a deeper level and understand what's going on in them and the way that they think and how they're feeling and why they're feeling that way. And, and so it's, if, if we're in an unhealthy spot, avoiding and just avoiding every, every piece of conflict, uh, it can be a huge detriment. But if we're at a, at a place where we can step into it and use it as opportunity for growth, it can be a huge asset. Very cool. Thank you for that. Uh, Ainsley, so someone we have, who's a wing nine, we kind of have that ideal. Um, so if someone's listening, they're saying, hey, I'm a one wing two, what might that look like for someone in ministry? Yeah, so the one uh, wing nine is actually called the idealist, and they're definitely bigger picture thinking. Um, they're more 
uh, pulled by the state of the world and concerned. Mm -hmm. Their heart is heavier with the state of the world. And then the one wing two is the advocate. And they are uh, usually more, they're just more soft. They're more like empathetic and uh, able to access the emotions of not only themselves, but other people as well and um, figure out exactly how to serve the person in front of them. Yeah. Very cool. And you can pull from both Dan. So don't worry. You can be an advocate too. That's right. And Dan's <laughs> actually said a few things that track with the two. So it, yeah. as I'm, I'm hearing him say that he's a one wing nine mainly, but I definitely can sense him pulling uh, the benefits of that two wing as well. So that's fun. Fun for that's you. Been a great- <laughs> That's been great to, to, to maybe track our trends a little bit more that way because I, I had been so much on the one side that I would I would have trouble connecting with individuals. And yes, mm-hmm. everything bigger was, was controlling everything. So um, it's been awesome to step into some of those relationships in that way. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Dan, this has been a great first interview. Thank you for starting us off so well. Uh, wish you well in your ministry, man. I'll be praying for you. Um, if I get the chance to connect with you up at the National Youth Workers Convention later this year, that'd be great. Uh, Ainsley, thank you so much for being on here. I look forward to our future interviews and conversations. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, this will be fun. So thank you both. Thank you both. I really appreciate having me on. That concludes today's episode. Thanks again to Ainsley, the co-host and Enneagram coach, and Dan, our youth worker guest. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to it. And remember, you can catch all of the episodes in this series, if you missed any, at our website, youthministrymaverick.com. You can also find a comprehensive list of our guests, their bios, lists of organizations and youth ministry to help you in your own ministry. There's also a store where you can buy some items and help fund the podcast to continue its work. We also really appreciate if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. And if you do that, take a screenshot before you hit submit, send it to me, and I will mail you a personal thank you along with some merchandise that you can't get on the website. So please go and do that. I'm excited to continue this series. Um, Remember, every Tuesday and Friday, there's a new episode with a new guest and some practical information for you. That's all for now. So until next time, thanks for listening. Adios.